We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into another week of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready here with you. I think the temperatures are finally going to get over freezing for an extended period of time. The ice beginning to uh, melt here this afternoon. I think 47, 48 degrees on the uh, on the high today. We're going to be in the 60s on Wednesday and Thursday. So that climate with just all the extremes will uh, warm up a little as the week goes on. We'll talk some basketball today. Ole Miss falling to Auburn 82-59 at Neville Arena on Saturday night. Back home against the Arkansas Razorbacks on uh, on Wednesday for a another home game with the Pavilion and then uh, some football stuff as well. Alabama being rated as a program right now. Neil wrote about that in 10 Thoughts. Ole Miss picking up Trey Amos from those Crimson Tide. They got a couple visits coming with uh, Kalepo and B.J. Green this week and, uh, and more. So those topics, NFL playoffs and its penultimate round, whatever else strikes our fancy over the next uh, hour or so here with you on a podcast brought to you every day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford, Beer Cave, NFL playoffs, basketball, a lot of reasons to stop on in, pick up your alcoholic beverages for the uh, for the day, for the week, for the weekend while you're in there. If it's during the week, you get those lunch specials that are $5.69, two sides, bread, any size fountain drink, and that's up and down I-55, locations throughout North Mississippi as well, and they've got their superstore going up in Macomb. It is uh, making progress every single day every single week for that and then Neil tell them a little bit about Clark Ford um, Clark Ford Studios is upstairs Clark Ford in Amory Mississippi 662-257-1900 that number call it ask for Corey Clark tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for he'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours it's right to the bottom line no hassle no haggle you get your quote the rest is completely up to you you can shop that quote around you can do what I've done what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. Corey and the people at Clark Ford want to be your car guy. They want to be your truck guy. They'll prove to you what that means when you make the call, 662-257-1900. Guests join on the Campbell Clinic hotline. Campbell Clinic's in Oxford now, 2608 South Lamar Boulevard, Suite 102, just across the street from the cottages at Hooper Hollow. The Campbell Clinic provides full-service orthopedic care. Everything from sports medicine 
to foot and ankle surgery to spine and total joint care to pediatric orthopedics, physical therapy, and more. To book an appointment, go to CampbellClinicOxford.com or call 901-759-3111. Walk-ins always welcome at the Campbell Clinic, Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, Roads in Oxford, Neil and Avery, they got better on Saturday, I think. It's kind of when the town sort of reopened for business, if you will. Um, all the main thoroughfares were good. Highways were good. Stuff downtown was good. I mean, your side street county roads, they've continued to have tons of ice. Uh, and then yesterday, I think they are even a little better than Saturday. So you, you're, you're if you can get out of your neighborhoods... You're, you're pretty good. That's the catch, is getting either across the snow drifts if they did grate your road or just simply getting down hills or, or out of the neighborhood. There's a lot of sliding there, depending on what your car or vehicle is. But if you actually get out into town, uh, things have been pretty good since most of the time Saturday. I, I mean, I, I can make a joke about it now. I avoided my first pretty bad, what would have been a really bad injury yesterday. I was walking out of the house, and... It's nothing but a sheet of ice all over our driveway, getting to the driveway, anything out the front stoop. And we have this kind of this welcome sign thing that goes in the flower bed right by the house. And it's iron, metal, whatever. And it says welcome. And it's got like a little pointed top on on it that's basically a spear. And I slipped right beside that pole. And as I was going down, I just reached for anything, grabbed that. And the tip of that spear hit me right in the top of my eye socket. It hit that bone. It pierced the top of my eyelid, actually, and put a little indention. Had it hit me one-eighth of an inch down, I would have lost an eye yesterday. Literally oh would have God. taken the middle of my eye out. Um, oh, my God. That's scary. Yeah, I mean, I, I laid on the ground, and I was like, I'm, I'm okay, but I feel it right there. I mean, it literally hit the bone at the top of my eye socket. And wow. I went, it, it missed puncturing my pupil by an eighth of an inch. I mean, I went, whoa. But you couldn't, you can't walk outside in running shoes or anything. And I had sweatpants on, so I just put a pair, of, like put a pair of Brooks on. You, you, you still got to have some, 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 some sole on the bottom there to, to get around the house. Yeah, our driveway is still a sheet of ice, and so getting the issue for me, I finally got out on Saturday. I went to rehab, and the issue was getting to the vehicle. That was the biggest thing was like, how do I get to the vehicle on crutches? Mm -hmm. Now's not a great time to fall. And um, so we're moving cars around and (laughs) I I felt really, I felt really helpless. Um, You know, because your inclination is just go, let's just punt. I'll just wait till next week. But we got it done. So I've been, um, I've probably driven Laura and Carson pretty crazy, but I mean, I've just been stuck here. I, I, that's literally, I've left the house one time in nine days. How are you handling the lack of exercise, just being in the house to that point? Because you you don't mind like solitary necessarily, but you do want to be active. And then I would assume, and I mean, not to, we're, we got plenty of topics. I'm just kind of curious here because we're, we're on the show and I just thought about it. I would assume you're handling this better than you might have five or 10 years ago. Yeah. I, so far, I'm okay. Um, I've, I can't really do anything about exercise right now, and so I just, I've just accepted that. Um, I get a little stir crazy. I, I, I still have to do the ice thing on my knee for a little while every so often, and, and I'm in a brace most all of the day. And I'm, I, I've gotten where I'm pretty, pretty good with crutches. I can kind of maneuver the house pretty fast on crutches. I haven't gone upstairs, but I get around downstairs pretty good. I, 
you know, I try to have, I've figured out ways to kind of like help with laundry and do some stuff just to kind of keep me where I feel like I'm <laughs> contributing to the household. But, um, I mean, I've watched, I have watched a lot of television. I've read, I've been reading, <laughs> reading stuff. I've watched a lot of NBA. I watched, thank God for the NFL playoffs. I pretty much watched every snap of all four games. Um, yeah, I've watched like Saturday. I watched, I had rehab at 11.30, so I got home at like 12.45. I, I turned on the the second half of the Arkansas-South Carolina game. Then I watched most of Alabama-Tennessee. I watched most of LSU-Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. I, wa- I watched a lot of SEC basketball on Saturday and watched Ole Miss and Auburn Saturday night and had had uh, the Thunder on on the other TV and had the NFL game on my computer. I mean, I, I just – yeah, you're right. The solitude part is fine. Yeah, whatever. But yeah, I'm, I'm whatever. Like nine days without contact with humanity is like okay, I'm fine with that. But it, it's the the inability to like go upstairs and get on a, on a peloton and ride for two hours during the first half of a game or something. That's that's what I've had to kind of adjust to. Up your caloric intake to like 3,200 calories a day. I'm sure that kind of thing. You know, really trying to eat your way through it. So it's, it's well. I mean, here's the here's the challenge: is that Laura, when she's bored. Like snowed in board, her we'll answer bake. is cook. Yeah, yeah, and and she's really good at cooking. And so I've I've had to, I've had to be, I've had to be guarded and measured in, in my <laughs> my response to that. Because I'm, I'm not gonna be like stop cooking because that's what she enjoys doing. But at the same time, I can't just go devour food all day long. Yeah. All right, well, uh, we'll hit it quickly because not a ton to talk about with this basketball team, but 82-59, Auburn, uh, look, they're one of the best teams in the country. They don't lose at home. I think they're on a streak of winning games by double digits right now. Um, It's like 15 games or something. I don't know, something like that. Uh, Complete ass-kicking on Saturday, frankly. They they, they face Arkansas at home. Ole Miss is at a point as a program that if you're going to get on the bubble – You've just got to protect home floor and then see what happens. They're they're not going to go on some road on the run some run on the road where they win a bunch of games because you know they and it's what I thought even in wins Neil that's happened is they they shoot their way out of deficiencies at home. They have played really good offense. They have shot well from the perimeter. They have done things in the offensive game to shoot their way out of problems inside the pavilion. They shoot really well in that arena. They feed off the crowd. And that doesn't translate to the road at all. And then you've got already two of the mashups that are two of the three hardest on the season for them out of the way, Auburn and Tennessee. Kentucky coming up at Rupp. And, look, they got that seven-footer eligible now. They're, they're hell in a handbasket. We'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. But um, it magnified everything. You don't shoot as well on the road, typically. Um, they were – just completely bombarded from the opening tip. And then I think David Eckert had this stat. You may have too, but I saw it on Twitter. Ole Miss did not have a defensive rebound for the first 12 minutes of the basketball game on Saturday. First 12 minutes. They did not get a defensive rebound until eight minutes remaining in the first half. Everything that is a problem with this team was magnified, and then they didn't do the good things well, and that's why you get run out of the building by, I guess, 
you know, 23 ended up being the final total. But it was what it was. Uh, you called Arkansas a must-win on Wednesday. Completely agree with that in all ways. Arkansas, frankly, is becoming a schedule hit, too, at this point because they're 1-4 in the SEC or whatever they are. They you, have just, win, you have to yeah, win, Nick. They were just obliterated by Carolina over the weekend. Again, we'll get into some SEC scores as we move on. But it it is – it is look, it is – the 13 and 0, 15 and 0, whatever the start was that was undefeated, it was very much needed from a rebuild to get fans involved, but it also set some expectations that were not fair to where the program is right now. And losing two road games in a week is not the end of the world. That was never going to be the blueprint for how this team had some crazy season. It is going to simply be play well at home and see if you can just steal one at some point, maybe two at the most. They got A&M on the road Saturday in College Station. That's at least on paper winnable because they can't do to the Rebels what Auburn or Tennessee did to the Rebels. You know, look, you're kicking yourself over Wednesday and the way that LSU played early and not running up the score, getting ahead more and making that more what it was. But at the same time, I, I, I don't think there's some huge panic just simply because you went to Auburn and got ran out of the building. That's going to happen to a lot of teams that have very successful seasons. No, I mean, look, you, you just touched on most of it. I mean, you can look at this in a number of different ways. You can you can do the Pollyanna thing if you want, and, and you can go, hey, you know, everyone loses in Knoxville. Everyone loses in Auburn. It's true. You can go super negative if you want. Haven't beaten anybody, and the teams that they beat lose games. I mean, like Memphis lost to Tulane. You can do all that stuff. Or you can be a realist. And realistically, they've only lost one, quote, bad game, and it was on the road at LSU. It was a game they probably should have won, could have certainly won. But they didn't play well out of the gate. They turned the ball over. They were really sloppy. And for this team to win SEC games on the road, they're going to have to play clean basketball. Because they're not going to suddenly become a good rebounding team. They're not a good rebounding team. They're not going to become one in February. They're not going to suddenly just go, hey, look, they learned how to, how to really rebound the basketball. It's not going to happen. That's going to be a deficiency all year. So they, they've got it. And they, they shoot the ball fairly well. They didn't shoot terribly at Auburn. Uh, they didn't get a lot of second chance opportunities. But um, look, Auburn's really good. Especially at home, they're 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 elite at home. That's there's no shame in losing that game. Now, at one point, they were down 35 points mm-hmm. in the second half. I mean, you, you didn't you didn't just lose; you got your ass kicked. Um, and there's no way around it. The, the LSU game is the one that you kick yourself. But moving forward, I mean, if look, if, if if someone tells you this team's making the tournament, you know already they barely made it. This team's not going to go from three and fifteen a year ago to thirteen and five. That that, that that's not realistic. They're going to get in by the skin of their teeth if they get in, and and to do that, obviously Wednesday becomes just a must. It's a must win. There, I don't I don't think there's a path to the tournament that doesn't include a win Wednesday at home against Arkansas. So you have to beat them. They're they're, uh, I didn't see all of their game. In fact, I probably saw less of Arkansas-South Carolina than I did of anybody else the rest of the day. But Arkansas is playing terrible. They're, they're, they're doing nothing well. South Carolina's doing some stuff well. They really are. They're, they're playing fairly good basketball. But this is a game that you should win. And if you do, you're 3-3. Three and three And you're holding serve. You've won at home. You've lost on the road. Um. And you go, like you said, you go to Texas A&M and you play a 
a dangerous team because they're really well coached and Taylor can go off and score 40 on you. Uh, but they, like you said, you're, you're right. They can't do to you what Auburn did to you, what Tennessee did to you. They can't beat you with this in these multitude of ways. Um, they're going to beat you by defending, beating you on the glass, and then they have to shoot well. But you, you go there with the chance to win. But Wednesday is the big one. You got to win Wednesday. You got to get to three and three. And if you do, you're good. People, I watch these, 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 and I realize it's fans, and that's what you do when when your team loses. But these emotional responses to to Saturday's game, and it was, you do realize Auburn doesn't lose at home. They they've they've been going for a while. Pearl's been there for a minute. He's built a a culture. He's built a a, a fan excitement over years. And you know, if Ole Miss is fortunate enough to have uh, Chris Beard at Ole Miss as long as Auburn has Bruce Pearl, they're going to do something. But mm-hmm. you know, Chris Beard's first year at Texas Tech, they didn't go racing through the NCAA tournament. They went six and twelve in the Big Twelve. Yeah, that you know that that first year was difficult, and to expect this year to be a, a piece of cake because you you went twelve and zero in the non league. It's just—it's simply unrealistic. Or thirteen and zero, whatever it was. That's—that's that's just an, an unrealistic expectation. You know, look, they're good. You, you go beat Arkansas, and then there's a stretch here that is going to decide this season one way or the other, and it begins right after that game. Because I, I look at it here, and even your home games are very difficult. They would help you if yep. you win them. Um, but you got to—it's a numbers game. You got to get to at least nine, eight, and ten is not getting Ole Miss in with the computers. Nine and nine might not, but eight and ten definitely isn't. So you're right. talking about nine wins. You beat Arkansas. Arkansas today is 101st in Ken Palm. Um, they're giving Ole Miss a 68% chance of winning that game. That sounds about right. Maybe a little higher, but whatever. And then, again, I get that Ken Palm's numbers are probably a little off in a negative way for Ole Miss. But following that, they have one, two, three, four, five games in a row, including two of those games at home. And they are underdogs in all of them by a considerable margin in several of those. After Arkansas, if you could get to 3-3, three and three, at A&M, Mississippi State at home, Auburn at home, at South Carolina, Kentucky away, and then Missouri back at home. That Kentucky, South Carolina, Auburn, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, you can't go 1-4 and four in that stretch. You maybe got to go 3-2. and two. And... Mm-hmm. I mean, two and three at least because you win your home games. You beat Mississippi State. You beat Auburn at home. That gives you two really good wins. It continues to hold serve at home. And then you come back and you try to salvage it the rest of the way. But it, let's, let's give them two. Let's say two just for the heck of it. That makes it. Okay. That makes five wins. Well, you need five more, meaning you need five more out of Missouri, Mississippi State on the road, South Carolina at home, Alabama at home, Missouri on the road, and Georgia at home. So the path to that would be – one, Missouri, South Carolina, two, Alabama, three, A&M, four, and then still one in either Athens or Columbia. It's doable, it's but it doable. requires beating Auburn and Mississippi State at home in that in that one-week period where you go, wow, you held serve and you you, you maintained things and, got, and beat two really good programs at home and, and, and made that happen. But you can't fall off the wagon. Yeah. No, I mean. That's it. That's the only path to ten. Yeah, and they just have to approach it, and I'm sure they are, is one day at a time, one game at a time. It's a one-game season. 
Right now, the season is Arkansas at home Wednesday night. And then the season is at Texas A&M. Yeah. Because I think if you look at it in its totality, it becomes so daunting. Because there are some, like some of the teams you just mentioned, Kentucky's really good right now. Alabama's pretty good right now. I mean, Tennessee bombed them, but Tennessee's a beast at home. Mm-hmm. And, and Tennessee can beat you in so many different ways because they have elite guard play. They have bigs who can score. And this connect kid, he's, he's an animal. Uh, you, 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 have to, you have to really work to guard him. But, you know, look, South Carolina's good. I mean, are you, are you going to sweep South Carolina? It's going to be tough. You could sweep Missouri. They're not playing well at all. You got, I think you have to sweep Missouri. I do, too. Um, you know, and then, yeah, you're right. You, you got to beat Mississippi State at home. Uh, that Georgia, if you lose to Auburn at home, you got to go winning College Station. Georgia's, or you got to win in Athens. Georgia's winnable. You could win there. Mike's and I think they're going to get worse as the year goes on, frankly. I think Mike's that we'd be playing Georgia at a good time. Mike's done a good job, but that's not a super talented team. Uh, I watched them the other day. They're, they're, they're just they're, – they're okay. So you, there's a path to it. But look, first thing is that you, you cannot keep getting off to these bad starts turning the, the basketball over. That's killing them. They would have lost to Auburn anyway. But if they'd played a clean game on Wednesday night, they'd be three and two right now instead of two and three, and we'd be we'd be talking a completely different conversation. Mm-hmm. So that's that's step one: is they've got to stop turning the ball over. They've got to be uh, cleaner on the offensive end because the the rest of who you are is who you are. Yeah. Switch over to college football a little bit. Um, Ole Miss picks up Trey Amos from Alabama out of the portal. That was after getting a Marion Walker. Couple days prior to that, and then uh, they've again they got a couple of visits. They got the offensive lineman from Washington, Kalepo, coming in uh, today, or at least on schedule for today. And then BJ Green from Arizona State. He was committed to Washington until Kalen DeBoer went to Alabama, and then he is uh, up for grabs again here. Uh, we've talked about it in, in the recruiting thread a good bit on the site. I talked about it in content form on Saturday morning. Ole Miss has done a pretty good job of kind of getting over losing everybody that they lost uh, over that two-week period. Look, it's not perfect. They don't have an answer for Tyler Barron yet as he headed to Louisville. But Amos gives them at least somewhat of a replacement for DeCam Richardson. Um, they probably did a fairly even one-for-one with the M. Banks from South Alabama with Terry Mary and McDonald. Um, and they had some backup plans in place in a situation that was not ideal because, as we've mentioned, if you do this a good bit earlier and these guys had left in December, it would be a completely different thing right here. But Ole Miss is able to take advantage and have a positive out of such a late start to its spring semester because it's one of the few destinations that doesn't have to be in a hurry with these Arizona, Washington, Alabama guys and, and teams that have had head coach changes at this point. Um, Ole Miss starts school now on Thursday, so that is January 25th. That was moved from Monday. And even when it was January 22nd, their drop-ad date was February 1st. So now you're potentially talking February 3rd, 4th on a drop-ad date, getting guys in. It's going to give them a pretty good extra week or a week and a half here for visits on whatever is sort of needed or out there or possible. And it, it is definitely the positive or the plus side of what is uh, what is doable 
Louisville here, but they've, they've done a pretty good job. There was a point last week where if you're just looking at it on paper with what left and what was coming in and what had gone and all that stuff, you kind of go, I don't know, it, it, it looks odd in a couple spots. And as we're looking at it here, especially if they can secure B.J. Green, I think your only issue from a crazy negative is Judkins, and there's just no way to replace him one for one the way that, that, that it went down at the time because Eddie N was already at Georgia at that point. Um, Logan Diggs is not a one-for-one one because he has injuries and all sorts of stuff. I still think they're going to add another running back, but I think if you're an Ole Miss fan, you probably feel a little better right now than you did seven days ago because they've, they've done a pretty good job of curtailing what was a what was a pretty bad four or five days or even up to two weeks, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah, you pretty much covered it. You wrote about it on Saturday, I think, and you were right. I mean, they – and you could have a super early start where now you can't add anybody. It's too late. I don't know. Yeah. It is what it is. There's no like, perfect. Like, it just it, – yeah. It's. I mean, honestly, I'm, I think I've changed my mind. I think the late start is better because when it's the early start, you're in the boat with everybody else. I mean, those guys could still leave you, in theory, right up to the very last day where you have zero time and it's whatever. I'm not sure the late start – was actually prohibitive on anybody but maybe Barron. And look, there were signs that Barron, or at least his family or whomever, was not 100% that kind of went unnoticed there for about 48 hours where you could have had a little better head start on that. Yeah. he, Based on everything I've seen and heard, I think he would have left earlier. He just would have left. He just wouldn't have done it. Uh, and, it and if they end up getting green, and I suspect they will, that's, that's a pretty trade. You pretty much worked it out. Um you know, Richardson went pro. That's the one that hurts. Yeah, that's he, a big deal. He's in the elite corner. Um, but Amos is very good. Amos will walk on to campus as probably the best cornerback on campus. He's going to get a, a big-time opportunity. Um, and then, like you said, the, the spring, I was always last week under the impression that they were going to uh, cool their jets a little and then sort of – reevaluate the landscape for the spring in the portal and that they probably would add another lineman in the portal. Uh, they'd go after another running back. They'd figure out if they needed another linebacker, stuff like that. Um, and I still think that's the case. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you have to kind of view in totality. You, you, you can't get in that mindset of, of, okay, well, what, the, the roster that you have on January the 27th or whatnot is the roster. <laughs> yeah. It's not. I mean, who knows? Who knows what the hell it's going to look like? And I mean, there's rumors. I mean, there's no point in denying it. There's rumors that Jaheim Otis is going to get in the portal. If he gets in the portal, well, that's a totally different – because suddenly he's a, a super impactful potential piece that, that Ole Miss would most certainly be involved in. They, they wouldn't be alone. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Some of these, some of these kids who – uh, signed in, in December and started in January, the way the portal works today, some of those kids are going to be like, ah, this isn't what I signed up for. I'm, I'm going to jump back in the portal. And maybe you land one of those kids at that point. I, who knows? It's That sport has become so unpredictable and volatile because of the, the portal and, and now the potential to transfer multiple times that I just don't think you ever in the offseason. I mean, once – camp rolls around and you start playing well then you can take a snapshot and go this is who you have but in the offseason i just don't ever think you can really take a snapshot and go okay here's the mm -hmm. roster 
so the, the roster's so volatile. And look, they could they could lose guys in a negative way in the spring. Who knows, right? Somebody that they're counting on could go. Ah, you know what? I've decided I, this isn't what I wanted to do, and they hop in the portal and go someplace else. That's that could easily happen. Who knows? The other uh, player out has Nicholson. That was a transcript situation as much as anything else. Uh, the Illinois corner that had committed to Ole Miss. And look, I, he, he had a lot of experience in the Big Ten. Um, again, as we as we wrote and talked about, you can't celebrate a guy and then dismiss it when he leaves. But overall, I think talent-wise, you probably came out at least even and maybe ahead with the Morian Walker because he's going to give you a lot more upside than Nicholson would at that point. So, I mean, that that feels yeah. like a that feels like a one-for-one one that you actually benefited and got the much better side of with that one. Walker has a super high ceiling. He just yeah. hasn't he hasn't come close to it yet. And, mm-hmm. and you don't. Here's what you know, you don't know whether that's because he was at Michigan. They, they won the national titles. They probably were pretty good at that position. Was it because he just couldn't get on the field? Was it because he he, he couldn't pick things up? Was it because he's a workout warrior? I, mean, I don't know. What's well, like they? I mean, Alabama played Amos a lot, but he was second string because he was behind two first rounders. I mean, it just is yeah. what it is. At Alabama, they're pretty good at corner most of the time. I know we're jumping around. So don't yep. let me jump too soon. But, man, what's happening in Alabama is wild. That's where I was going. Yeah. I mean, they are they are having a sobering reality <laughs> right now. Like, As we said on Thursday, all the Bama talking heads, oh, my God, this is a travesty to college football. You got to fix it. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> come on. You, you, had, you had a dynasty. It was that whole thing. I mean, I have so enjoyed watching Matt Moscona just revel in the end of it. Mm-hmm. But it's over. The dynasty is over. Mm-hmm. He was the best. And I, people t- keep trying to rewrite the Saban thing. Well, he saw this was coming, so he got out. You can't prove that. He's 72. I'm not going to be that guy. Nope, I'm going to tip my hat. And go, I don't know that anyone will ever replicate what he did in a 17-year span. Kudos. They, they won 10 games or more 16 out of 17 years. Mm-hmm. That is a dynasty. But he's out. I don't and, think and it's even feasible in today's college football. I don't think it's doable by him or anyone else. And that's uh, it's what I keep coming back to is DeBoer is having these issues. And, look, he might win at a high level. Alabama's not going to go 6-6 six and six next year, okay? No, right. But it was an impossible thing to not have a fall off, and now you're seeing the players go, hey, Nick's not there. That, that, that built by Bama is not the same suddenly right now. And, yeah. whew. Ohio State, the big winner in that battle right now, the backup quarterback, the five-star kid, and then Caleb Downs, both uh, being a being a Buckeye here in the last week. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you look forward to the holidays? Maybe you struggle with seasonal blues. The holidays can be stressful, can conjure up some sadness. In other words, this time of year can be a lot, and it's natural to feel some sadness or anxiety about it. But adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot amid all of the stress and change, something to look forward to, to make you feel grounded, to give you the tools to manage everything going on. I've benefited from therapy. It was good. It was a work for me. It was good work for me to talk through some feelings with a professional, walk away with a new perspective. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. 
If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suitable to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MPW today to get 10% off your first month. That's Better H-E-L-P. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash M-P-W. Podcast brought to you in part by G&M Pharmacy and Tyson Drugs there in Holly Springs, GNM in Oxford, Tyson Drugs in Holly Springs. They've got their uh, high-dose flu shots for patients over 65 years old or uh, anyone that needs that level of protection. Flu obviously going around big time right now, so you can uh, you can get that. You can also get the RSV vaccine they have in uh, stock as well at both locations, Holly Springs and Oxford, and they make it easy. They let you schedule your appointments for your vaccines, come in, get them, be on your way. That's 662 to schedule, 662-236-2222. For GNM in Oxford or 662-252-2321 for Tyson Drugs in Holly Springs. Podcast also brought to you by the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation. You've got uh, 2024 football season tickets available now. That's for new and renew tickets. Take advantage of that. Go ahead and get on with it. The excitement is only going to increase prior to the 2024 season. Also, men's and women's basketball. They start conference play this week. you got SEC mini plans and single-game tickets still available that is for uh, men's basketball, women's basketball. And then uh, we tell you about multiple campaigns going on right now. The Champions Now campaign, that's the big capital campaign from the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation. You've got Forever Ole Miss if you're looking into state, uh, state planning, Vault Society, Empower, a lot of different ways to uh, do philanthropic giving there with the foundation. Also, a reminder, the women's and women's tennis teams have upcoming matches at home later this month. Tickets not required for that. And then, obviously, Morgan Wallen tickets still available all those things, OleMissTicks.com. I've been telling you that Prime Shrimp is giving away free shrimp for the entire year to one lucky rebel. Here's how to enter. You go to PrimeShrimp.com slash MPW. You place any order, any order at all. Use promo code JUICE. Take 20% off your order and be entered to win. You can place additional entries by posting your shrimp on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with hashtag Prime Shrimp. Hashtag MPW. Winners will be chosen on January 31st. So get that orders in. And then also the podcast brought to you by NE Spark. NE Spark is a service people across rural communities. Two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze. The one gig, it powers the Clark Ford Studio. I've got it at home as well. Your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's NESpark.com. 662-238-3159. Phone service, parental controls, network security, and much more. So again, get the best internet in Lafayette County. That's 662-238-3159. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're seeing how the other half lived. And what you're also finding out, and I wrote this on the message board this morning, it's where Ole Miss doesn't give itself enough credit, right? Is that even at Alabama, there was always this assumption and this hope that, hey, this portal madness, this NIL madness, this, this collective stuff, someone, I don't know whether it's going to be Congress or the football gods, or Santa Claus, or someone's going to come in. Maybe it's the Easter Bunny is going to come in and go. No, no, no. We're going to here's the rules. Here are the rules. We're going to go kind of back to what it's been. This is madness. This is not going to become normal. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And hey, look, you and you know this, Chase, because you talked to some of these people. There were people at Ole Miss that were in that same boat. They were like, mm-hmm. this is this this is insane. But where Ole Miss is way ahead is that in that moment, on one hand, when they were going, this is stupid. And there were prominent people there that were going, this is stupid. The same people went, but if this is what it's going to be, let's embrace it. And what you're seeing at Alabama is that they didn't embrace it and they got away with it for a couple of years because Saban had such an aura around him. And he did, and, and it's deserved. They won games. They won championships. When they didn't win championships, they played for championships. They put 80 gazillion people in the draft. That's the thing. The proof of concept that if I go to Alabama, I'm a first-round pick. Yes, watch watch the NFL. I mean, every other dude's played at Alabama. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, they got guys to go, okay, I could make more money at Tennessee. I could make more money at, at South Carolina. I could make more money at fill in the blank. But look, if I go to Bama and I play in this system, I'll make up that money in spades in three, four, five years. Saban puts guys in the league. You come, you buy into their program, you do what they tell you to do, you play, you work the process, and the rewards come on the other side. And hey, they sold that, and it worked. It was a, it wasn't a lie. I mean, it was real. They they put a ton of dudes in the NFL, but now he's gone. DeBoer doesn't have that track record. So now it's okay. Well, let's talk nil. And Alabama's like, well, we're, we're kind of behind on that. Give, we need a little time. And the kid's like, nah, I'm going to go someplace that's ahead on it. And you look at, like, Ohio State. Credit to them. Ohio State got really active in NIL right away because they have a coach, Ryan Day, who's a lot like Lane Kiffin, who I think privately thinks this is absurd. But publicly goes, here's what I need. And Ryan Day publicly says at a booster club thing or whatever, a luncheon or something somewhere, yeah, we need $13 million a year to field a competitive roster. And people in the, in the national media are like, that's insane. How dare you say that? He's telling the truth. It's Look, it's one of the reasons, I've talked to people, it's one of the reasons Ross was so highly thought of was that he was a pro NIL guy and didn't shy away from that and went, no, 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 I get it. Okay. Yeah. It was one of Bjork's main selling points was NIL related. I get it. Yeah. He came from a program that went, no, yeah, we absolutely do that. 
And so, I mean, you look around the landscape at some of the programs that have really fallen off and some of the programs that have really struggled. That I mean, Dabo Sweeney didn't become a bad coach, Chase. He just didn't. That's stupid. He didn't forget how to coach. He didn't, he didn't have a bad fall. No, he just they, they weren't ready on NIL. That He believed this was going to be a blip on the radar. And he has lots of company. A lot of ADs around the country believe this, this, this is so insane that there's no way this becomes the norm. So I give Keith Carter an absolute load of credit because I think Keith, as a former player, there's probably a part of him that thinks, this is absurd. This is nutty. But this is who, where it is right now. And you can two things can be true at once. Like you hear Lane talking about it. He was at the Peach Bowl. He talks about how this system is, this, the calendar's idiotic. Mm-hmm. The system is stupid. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But if it's these the are the rules, this is where we have to operate. And it is the funny part of it is that you have to embrace it to be successful. You have to have money. So you've got to be at a big enough program that can invest and get those things done and do all the things that are necessary in that. But if you do that, you have a chance to recruit and get guys that you never would have had a shot before. I was looking at this. Typically, most weeks, I'll run through, just because he does a good job of kind of a landscape of college football. I'll read Ketchum at Texas's 10 Thoughts. And he's touting Texas's class, as he should be. They're doing a hell of a job. But in that, he mentions... Portal, not portal rankings, but in the transfer portal, who has signed players who were top 50 national prospects out of high school? Okay. So, top 50 national prospects who have jumped in the portal um, and then transferred out at this point. Ole Miss is second, tied with Texas for the most top 50 national prospects who have now changed schools and signed with those respective schools with four. The list. Oregon has five of them. Ole Miss has four. Texas has four. Ohio State has three. Alabama, let's see. Bama, Arizona State, Louisville, Miami, Oklahoma, Purdue, Texas A&M, and TCU have two. And then with one, Baylor, Boise State, Duke, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Michigan State, Missouri, North Carolina, Notre Dame, Penn State, Syracuse, Tulane, and UCLA. Point being in that is that, sure, there's still tiers – you're always going to have a system, no matter what it is, of some programs being better and just doing everything better than their other. But in no world ever would Boise State, Syracuse, Tulane, take your pick, sign top 50 prospects straight out of high school. It would never happen. It at least gives them an opportunity to do that now, which is what you're seeing in across the board in all the sports. Is either you're holding on to your guys by paying them crazy NILs to not have them jump in the portal, or you go all in if you're that smaller mid-morning, mid-level tier team and go, hey, we're going to go get one big fish. We're going to get that dude. And you're doing that, and it's at least... Look, it's it's never going to be equitable, but it's more equitable than the old systems as far as simply putting talent on the field and seeing what you can do with one dude or two dudes or whatever it is. So it's eliminating in a way. I mean, you still got the teams that do it better than everybody else. But it gives everybody a shot. So it's fascinating. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's- Syracuse was not going to sign Kyle McCord out of, out of high school. Call Kyle McCord, whatever you want to call him. But he wasn't going to the Orange. No, of course not. No, it gives, it, it, it gives programs that had not mastered the former recruiting way, which mm-hmm. really doesn't exist much anymore. I mean, it still exists 
on, on its in its fringes, but it'll come back in uh, some level of spades if they do authorize this database because teams will just simply not use the NIL database. Fill me in on this. If they make it public, what all the money is? Oh, yeah. I think it brings the black market back into play more. Yeah, you're probably right. I, Should or yeah. shouldn't, but the teams that the teams that like to operate with the black market, I think it will increase it. That's not everybody, but there is a group that would much rather, like Alabama, frankly, that would they much rather they, the old system. It, they're so hung up on wanting to quote win the right way, mm-hmm. even though it's like nobody believes that you ever did that, right? I mean, even in the era when you were winning with built by Bama and go to the NFL. There was still stuff. To act like that's there wasn't stuff is just why? why? What's the point of that? What? Are we, who are we proving what to? Yeah, I mean, you know, they. they but the way it is today, that what's happening is that a lot of schools are realizing. Like not to re- rehash the whole story, but Dellinger was back in Congress last week and writing about that, and I just keep laughing at these stories. Like nothing against Ted Cruz and and and, and who's it, Cory Booker? But those are the two that are. So this isn't a Republican bashing or a Democrat bashing thing, and I don't doubt for a minute that Ted Cruz and Cory Booker have their hearts in the right place. Congress is not taking this on. That is obvious. Look, the Georgia representative said we just got to get rid of the pay for play. Okay, can't have pay for play. Said the Georgia politician. Okay, like it was my favorite tweet of the entire week because everybody's quote tweeting, going, "Hold on a minute, he's from Georgia." Okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah, and, and, and on Congress, he says, "Go dogs." You know, it's like, dude. But I just keep, I've said this consistently. So if I'm wrong on this one, I will be really wrong. But I will also be really, really shocked. If you're waiting on, if you as the AD at fill in the blank university is waiting on Congress to solve this problem for you, it's going to be a minute. You're, you're in trouble. Yeah. You're in trouble. I don't, Congress is not going to solve this. Congress is not going to jump in on this thing and take away players' ability to make money. Mm-hmm. That would be viewed in such a negative political light in today's environment, in today's atmosphere, that they're not going to do it. Well, uh, it's NFL later in the week because we frankly don't really need it as much today. I-, I am becoming, you know, you can always have a team from each side. I am becoming an AFC Bills fan because I feel so bad for their fan base. Like that's really the like they're kind of fun and I do pull for them anyway. But that is the forget Cleveland. That is the most tortured fan base in the history of the NFL. Good yeah. God! Now in saying that, that game was not lost on Tyler Bass last night. That game was lost when they missed throws on first, second, or third down or whatever it was that didn't score a touchdown because you were giving Mahomes the ball back with one forty six to go in timeouts, needing a field goal. Good luck if you think that was going to decide that football game. So. Yeah, I, I realized two things watching that game last night. I was yes. really cheering for Buffalo, and I am so sick of the Chiefs. I get it. I get it. Those were the two things. And and I don't really like Baltimore. So Baltimore, Kansas City, 
is such a nationally the Ravens picked up some fans yesterday and look yeah you're right like nationally Baltimore's kind of hard to like most people don't necessarily go hey I'm a Ravens fan yeah but they picked up some fans yesterday but I'll give Mahomes this that guy he's just just a winner he's just he just wins surrounded by a lot of talent but he's a winner. Makes plays, makes throws. I mean, you you had two and a half quarters of some of the most elite quarterbacking between Allen and Mahomes yesterday that you'll ever see. I mean, somebody said it. I think it was Ralph Russo said it on Twitter. I would watch a seven game series with those two teams if we could just line them up and keep playing them. Yeah, I would too. Um, it was a good. It was a great game to watch. Uh, Hell, Detroit Tampa was a fun game to watch. It was. It's a good game. You know, Tampa hung in there. In Detroit, you watch them and you're like, God, they're just not good enough, and yet they win. Here they are in the Final Four. And then I didn't see as much of Niners Green Bay as I did the others because I had other stuff on the TVs and I was trying to keep up with the Ole Miss game and ride a little bit and all that stuff. But the Niners, it felt like they escaped. It did. And then Baltimore just beat up on a young Texans team that was happy to be there. I think I'm I think I'm from a just a want standpoint, I think I'm Ravens Lions next week. Kind of got behind the Lions. They're fun. Yeah, I'm Ravens Lions. Now, I'm 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm getting a little cynical about these these the Super Bowl logos with the colors and it always works <laughs> out. <laughs> You're like, "I don't know." I mean, I don't know. Is Debo is uh is Debo Samuel been ruled in or out? They were getting another test done like today, I think maybe. Not that I've seen, but okay. I mean they they had to dig deep to win without him the other day. They did. And Purdy, Look, the, it was a big drive for Purdy. It was really it was. And the Packers played really good football. They're good. I mean, you have to look at them in a different light going to next season. Oh, yeah, they're a young team. Jordan Love is growing up. Yeah. He had the bad throw there at the end, but that throw doesn't cancel out all that he did the second half of the season. They've they've got a quarterback they can build around. And I like him. I mean, the the, the guy, he seems like a pretty likable guy. And I, I was impressed with Baltimore withstanding sort of that early onslaught from Houston. The Texans are playing with a lot of emotion, a lot of energy. They're, they're physical. And then just absolutely taking control of that game in every way and going, nope, 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 nope. This is not going to be a fairy tale Cinderella story today. And they they put their foot on the gas the way that, if we're being honest, Super Bowl champions do in those rounds where you go, nope, we're 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 th- this is not the end. Um, no, Baltimore Kansas City is going to be a hell of a game. Yeah, I'm, I'm at, a from a, from a football standpoint, I'm pretty pumped up for that one. Yeah, um, I mean. And either way, I'll be happy that one of the teams lost. So, you know, <laughs> I'll be unhappy that one of the teams won. But yeah, that's a good game. And then I am really interested to watch Detroit-San Francisco. You because got, if, San Francisco's uh, not, go if San Francisco's not full strength, they're going to have their hands full with Detroit. Detroit, give them credit. Detroit knows exactly who they are. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they stick to it. They don't. They're not very schizophrenic. They're they're very self aware. Game times, early lines on this. Uh, you've got uh, Ravens Chiefs at two o'clock on CBS. 
The Ravens are currently a three and a half point favorite. The over/under is 44 and a half for a total on this game. And then at 5:30, these are Central times. 5:30 on Fox, Lions and 49ers in San Francisco, Santa Clara, whatever. 49ers by six and a half, and the over/under on that one's 50 and a half. So six and a half in the NFC, three and a half in the AFC or the early lines at this point. Six and a half feels like a big number. That does feel like a big number. I, th- I think I'm, I think I'm, ra- I think I'm Ravens Lions. I actually think the Ravens win by seven to ten points on Sunday. Oh, they just seem better. They they looked like a Super Bowl champ on Saturday. Now they were playing the Texans, but still, <laughs> they were playing the Texans. Oh, well, the Texans aren't. If you watch, I watched the Texans a lot. There was a little happy to be there once it got carried away. At yeah, all. I mean, I really like C.J. Stroud. He's kind of fun to cheer for. But if you watched them all year, they were kind of erratic all year. They were. A little bit, you know. Um, random thing here, and then I want to talk about something else for a second. But this went across my radar this morning. Uh, we're in an area that can get some of the cicadas on the certain years, you know, where it affects the noise oh, yeah. at night and whatnot. Did you see this? Um, no, okay, so I'll read reading from here. Uh, entomologist, which, what is an entomologist? I don't even know. Let's quickly look that up. An entomologist is a person who studies or is an expert in uh, zoology connected to insects. I guess that would be right. a good guess, considering we're talking about cicadas. Uh, Floyd Shockley is his name. Says you, he wants to mentally prepare you for a historic and loud event this spring. Two cicada groups are emerging simultaneously. The last time brewed in uh, 19, which has a 13-year cycle, and Brood 13, which has a 17-year cycle, emerged in the same year was 1803, when Napoleon was presumably so fed up by the mating calls that he sold the Louisiana Territory to Thomas Jefferson. The cicadas bacchanal will begin in late April and won't appear together for another 221 years. So we're getting two groups coming in at the same time this spring to uh, emit their, their sound. They can get really loud. Yeah, so it's going to be double apparently. Is it? Yes, bad? they did. They did point out in the newsletter that bacchanal basically means orgy. Yes, Sammy, that is that is correct. Uh, what's that? I wonder, if, I wonder. Would it be bad if we repeated history and somehow sold <laughs> sold this part of the country to someone else? Seems doubtful, but hey, who knows? Today, I, I mean, mean I, I, if, if you offered me like a way out of way out of the country, but I could stay where I was in June <laughs> of the year. I might buy it. For a little peace as the year goes on. Yeah. So I don't have to worry okay. about this crap anymore. Yeah. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, I, I guess it came out after we talked on Thursday, mass layoffs to sports illustrated, just uh catastrophic layoffs. I, I saw some Sports Illustrated employees defending it still as it's not dead, but it is dead in every sense of what we knew Sports Illustrated to be. Let's put it that way at the bare minimum. They are going to go cheaper. They're going to go younger. They're going to cut in all these different ways. It is, it's already been losing steam for a while anyway, but it is the official death date of what had really been the preeminent journalism sports media outlet for decades at this point. Um, it's a sign of the times. Um, I think it's a sign of not knowing how to monetize more than people simply don't want compelling stories. I think that I think that people don't want compelling stories has become a cop out because they don't know how to sell it or make it maintain. Um, 
you know, Grantland was not run well. The Athletic has not been run well in some ways. It, look, it's a niche, but speaking from websites that are niches that are successful, that's not that's not indicative of no one caring. And Sports Illustrated has been mismanaged in a ton of ways, and it's just. I mean, it really is. It's a it's a historic time for media, for journalism, or whatever. It's it's it's, it's something that sucks. Is uh, it's a place where you know, look, I really enjoyed growing up. I mean, I could read Rick Riley on the back page before he became his own cartoon character, and all these different things with profiles and some of the best stories that you can still go into the vault and pull out. There's one on Secretariat that's one of my five favorite sports stories of all time from a writing standpoint. It's it sucks. It really sucks. Yeah, there's a lot here, um, and I'm, I'm kind of not not afraid to, to attack a, a little of it. No, so for, for perspective, I want to say I was in the fifth grade when I got a subscription to Sports Illustrated as my birthday present mm-hmm. from my dad, my parents, and I was so excited. And to get a piece of mail every week that was addressed to me. Yeah. I could go take upstairs in my house and read cover to cover. I read everything in Sports Illustrated. Love because it. it was like fifty four issues. Because you got one a week, the swimsuit, and then I feel like there was one more thing, like a commemorative something or whatever. Yeah, but whatever it was, whether it was a story about the NFL or the NHL or or a profile of Secretariat or whatever the case may be, they would give you these in depth things about what happened with the Kentucky Derby or whatever. I read it, you know, and, and I mean, that was the late seventies, early eighties. And the people that wrote in that magazine were like my heroes. And that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to write for sports illustrated and the, we, we make jokes about it, but the sports illustrated swimsuit issue was a big deal. I mean, it was a big deal. It was, and, and you know, I mean, we we all joke about what we did with that issue or whatever, but we remember those issues. And over the years, two things happened. One, young people don't read as much. Mm-hmm. And then two, when you take something as iconic as the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, and you start turning it into something that is not what people got that issue for you play games and when you play dangerous games sometimes you get dangerous prizes and they put they went super pc on that and instead of putting beautiful women in bikinis on the damn and which was kind of hey that's your audience that's the bulk of your audience that's what they're there for I think that's, yeah, I think that's the, it's the downstream, go ahead. It's, it's the downstream part of it is that media that's failing, they are literally forgetting who their audience is. That is the number one tenet of everything is who actually buys my things. It's, it's, you are, you're a cheeseburger place and people come there for cheeseburgers. Okay. They get excited about getting that cheeseburger at 1230. And if you start going, hey, we're not doing the cheeseburgers this week. We're going to do tofu. Those people are going to be pissed off. (laughs) Now, you might make a small group happy that are like, I'm against eating meat. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's not enough of them 
to justify what you're doing to the people who looked forward to that cheeseburger and told their friends about the cheeseburger. What's the name of the place in Amory? It's been forever. Bill's. Bill's Hamburger. People in Amory, I bet, I bet I wouldn't have to go very far in Amory today to get somebody to go, you ain't had a cheeseburger till you've been to Bill's. Yeah. People do it here with Handy Andy. That's everywhere. Sports Illustrated had a wheelhouse. They got away from it. And when you get away from it really far, you alienate your audience. And, and they already were dying, and then it was a death knell. They were already making bad p- personnel decisions and losing money and not knowing how to monetize and all those different things. And then... Well, I mean, let's be real. If I, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, if I wanted to see beautiful supermodels partially unclothed, that was one of my places to go, right? I mean, I, I, that, that would come each year, and I was like, hey. Well, but, and, I, and, and so, so, I mean, that was already dying because let's kids that are today 17, 18 years old, they don't have to wait for Sports Illustrated to come out to see girls in bikinis. They've got phones. They've got eight gazillion sites where they can see a whole lot more than that. So that was already a dying thing. But when you insulted that audience by putting a trans person or some – overweight woman on there when you went that route you were insulting your audience and that doesn't work and so it can't shock anybody that on top of the fact that people don't read like they used to news is is instantaneous now you don't have to wait for a magazine to show up they uh, you can't be surprised that that they're going out of business but yeah if you're someone like you or me who grew up loving writing and reading and those things. And I love sports illustrated more than anything in the world for a long time. It was like, it was my, it was my goal. It's, it is sad to see it die. You know, it's, it's a good point here. JGG 23 says the pursuit of non-paying customers is killing a lot of businesses. Yeah. Cause of social media, they, they think Twitter is what matters, not the paying customers, all those things. And it's, Look, yeah, in 2022, 2023, 2024, you were not going to get the same push out of the swimsuit issue that you got in the 80s and the 90s. Again, the world is different. But you did the only thing to turn it into a negative. Maybe it wasn't a positive, but you made it a negative with the people who bought your magazine, which is the key there. Yep. Because there aren't going to... I mean, it was... It's it's when businesses like Bud Light or whatever else go, hey, we're going to do this. Well, okay, whatever positive you get from that is not going to replace your core audience. So from no, a straight you, economics decision, you just made a shitty decision. You still had people that kept getting the magazine because it was nostalgic. Because mm-hmm. they'd always got it. Because they loved it. The writing was still great, right? The, you, know, you still had people who could tell me about Maybe I didn't. Maybe I weren't. Not as many people wanted to wait till Tuesday after the Kentucky Derby to read the inside story behind the making of that Colt. Yeah, know, sure. The, how that Colt became the dominant three-year-old on that Saturday in Louisville, Kentucky. But there were still people that did it. But then you started to insult them, and then they're like, "Ah, well, I don't need this anymore." Because the truth is, they could get up on Sunday morning and read twenty-five stories about that Colt mm-hmm. just by going to the internet. So. I don't know, but to watch to watch some of the people inside journalism refuse to acknowledge why some of these things happen and makes me go, well, it's, it's why it keeps happening is because you guys you guys continue to fail to learn the lessons from from the failure. So you're older than me. You uh, you've seen more Sports Illustrated, been around for some of the uh, things here. Top seven people 
who have been on the Sports Illustrated cover the most? Who do you think's on the list? Seven people have the most Sports Illustrated covers in their careers or their lives. Muhammad Ali. He is number two, and that is the biggest change that is amazing, is that a boxer, I get a culture icon, but a boxer has been on the the cover of Sports Illustrated 40 times. He is number two. He was a big deal, dude, when I was growing up. Yeah. Muhammad Ali was a big deal. Uh, Michael Jordan. That is number one, 50 covers. 50. Uh, Ten Magic, more than anyone else. Magic Johnson. I would have missed that one. That is number five. It is 23. I would not have gotten Magic with three strikes. Okay. Um, Do you have Joe one, Montana? two, and five? Uh, Montana Joe, is Joe not Montana. on the list. Nope. Okay. Um, oh, is there another boxer? Nope. No boxers. Okay. Uh, uh, Martina Navratilova, Navratilova. No tennis players. Okay. Tiger Woods. He is number four, 24 covers. You're um, missing three, six, and no, seven. Is there another golfer? Nope. Okay. No, no Jack Nicholas on the list. Larry Bird? That is not correct. Nope. Okay. You any are any missing more, any more uh, two of the three are basketball players. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, LeBron. That is correct. He is number three with 25 covers. Kobe. That is an incorrect. Oh, okay. Um, another basketball player. Mm-hmm. Kareem. That is correct. Number six, 22 covers. And so they're missing one, number seven. Give me a sport. Football. Okay. Um, Peyton Manning. Nope. Brett Favre. Nope. I don't know. Tom Brady. Uh, duh. <laughs> a lot of Super Bowls there. So, yeah, that's uh, Brady, 20 covers. Jordan, 50. Ali, 40. LeBron, 25. Tiger, 24. Magic, 23. Kareem, 22. Brady, 20. The top seven. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty iconic. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. Uh, speaking of golf, uh, Nick Dunlap from the University of Alabama. He was the first amateur to win on the PGA Tour since 1991 when Phil Mickelson did it yesterday. He won the uh, American Express, making a, uh, a par on the final hole to uh, hold off and win by one shot there. He can't get the money. He's got an interesting decision to make. He can turn pro or stay an amateur. Um he essentially gets tons of exemptions and into tons of majors either way, depending on whatever he does. But he's got to, depend, got to decide what he's doing. But he would have won a lot of money yesterday that he does not get because he is an amateur and was not playing as a professional in that uh, in that field. I, I tell you, it's I kind of blame his caddy here, even if he said he didn't want to know. He I know Neil wasn't watching, so I'll give you the quick version of this. He was he thought he was up by two shots. On 18. And he hit his second shot right of the green on purpose. Basically going, okay, just stay away from the water. Hit it way the hell over here. I'll hit the ball on the green. Two putt and win by one and we're cool because I got a two shot lead. Somebody had birdied 18 to get within one shot. And he played the hole not knowing it because he didn't want to know what was going on and just stay locked in. But at that point, your caddy has to look and tell you because it changes your entire plan going into the hole. If had he missed a six-foot putt, he actually would have made a huge mistake there and gone into a playoff because he intentionally blew the ball out right to stay away from the water. So 
but he told the caddy not to tell him. Yeah, apparently he was basically like, hey, we're just locked in here. We're we're playing the hole. But that makes no sense when it can change your situation. Yeah. As the, as the thing is going. It's like, no, hey, do I need a field goal or do I need a touchdown? Yeah, exactly. He's doing, hey, the, Josh Allen gets the ball and he's driving, but he doesn't know what he needs. He just got to go play the play the series and see what happens. Yeah, no. The answer is more information is better, typically, yeah. always. If you only need a field goal once you get it to the 25-yard line, well, now that changes everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where uh, that's where that is, whatever. But uh, anyway, that's kind of what's going on. Football recruiting, again, we'll see if the uh, if Kalepo makes it in town today from Washington, and then, uh, again, B.J. Green later in the week. I, I mean, I'm looking out my office window. There's still ice all over the ground, but I think it will start breaking up this afternoon. Again, we get into the late 40s, and then it will definitely be breaking up over the next 24 hours or so. And uh, and finishing up this uh, Winter Storm Jerry. It has a name. It is uh, it is Winter Storm Jerry with a G, I believe. For uh, you know, a lot of people one. have blamed you for this. You, I, I quoted said, the Lafayette Emergency Management. That I mean, look as we said, whether people get a break that a lot of people don't get. The the initial forecast the day of was all snow, no ice. Yeah, it could five, not have been more incorrect. Five to eight inches of snow is what they said. I remember looking outside and hearing it. I was laid up because I'd had my surgery, and I was like, "That doesn't sound like snow. Sounds like ice. A lot of ice." And then you look at the radar, and they're like, where's the snow? It's, you're still just sitting in the ice. Non-regional covers? I, this is a good question. I actually don't know the answer to this. From an Ole Miss perspective, at least three. I know Archie had a cover. They shared the cover with State that weekend, and then I think after they beat Florida in 2008, I think those are at least three national covers that, 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 that they've had. Um, there may be some other ones from the 50s and 60s that I'm not aware of, but... Off the top of my head, those are three that I do know that they would they would have. Not counting the famed Houston Nut cover or the Jevin Sneed Davern Gerald's cover from the but the regional those college were, football stuff. Those were regionals. Those were regionals. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I I know of at least three nationally, and maybe there was more that I'm not aware of. For some reason, I do feel like there was one or two more from that era that I just don't recall. That win in Gainesville in 2008. <laughs> Was just re- really to this day one of the most shocking outcomes <laughs> on that individual day because it's easy to look back at the end of that season and go, "Oh, that was a really good team." That team had just lost at home to Vanderbilt. Did you? I, mean, I, I I I I made the trip. I stayed in Ocala, I think, and the entire trip to Gainesville, a Ole Miss winning this game this morning was never on my bingo card. Even as it's playing out, you just assume Tebow would get the yards or Percy Harvin would do this or whatever, right? I mean... Yeah, I I don't remember exactly when it happened, but there was a touchdown pass, I want to say from Snead to Shea Hodge in the second half, where it was the first time that I remember thinking, you need to start thinking about what you're writing if Ole Miss wins. Mm -hmm. Because you're not giving that an ounce of thought going into this, literally, not a scintilla. Now, I, I didn't feel bad about it because I remember I was hanging out with David Brandt that day, and I was like, did you ever think that Ole Miss might win this game? He's like, hell no. I mean, that was Tebow in Florida. Mm-hmm. They didn't they didn't lose, and they didn't lose again. They won the national title. And Ole Miss had just lost to Vanderbilt at home. And would lose to Carolina the next week. 
and had already lost at Wake Forest. I mean, so yeah, I never felt bad about it. Like people are like, well, you you, you always have to win. No, there was never an assumption on my part that, that Ole Miss might win that game. So I could see how that would result in a cover because it was such a shocking, in the moment upset. So. September of 2015, Trey Elston was on the cover um, after Ole Miss beat Alabama for the second time. Headline, re-embrace the mayhem, what Ole Miss's repeat shocker of Alabama says about the Rebels in the SEC. Ole Miss and State shared the cover on October 13, 2014, Mississippi Mayhem. Uh, Houston Nutt, SEC Preview Regional, Sneed and Gerald's College Football Preview Edition. was a national... When it was a regional cover of the National College Football, um, Greg Hardy, Rebels Rise, um, upsets change everything from that 2008 game. That was October 6, 2008. Um, August 1996, Peyton and Archie were a shared national cover. It was as Peyton was coming out, and they used half of it for an old Archie cover and half for a Peyton cover. Um, That Archie Manning cover was from August of 1970. Um... Ole Miss Spirit Squad um, were on a college football special issue September 24, 1962. Um, if you want to count it, Kerry Middlecoff, who went to Ole Miss, was one of the top golfers from the 1950s, was on the cover in 1957. Uh, Charlie Connerly was on the cover in 1956. And then Eli has uh, two covers during his uh, his career. so Or at least two, the two Super Bowls. So yeah, I was gonna say, but those were as giant New York. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. There was no Ole Miss Eli cover. Correct. Right. There almost was. There almost was. They'd beaten LSU that day. Yeah, probably so. So anyway, all right. Uh, Schedule note: No podcast stream in the morning. We'll make up the podcast somehow. I don't know. I'll figure it up. You figure it out. You'll still get your podcast for the uh, for the week. Probably going to go a little early on Wednesday, so just be aware of that. If you want to jump in, if you want to catch the whole show, obviously it will be in all podcast forms, but if we're doing the stream, be aware that that could or will start uh, a little earlier there on Wednesday and then the rest of the week. Recruiting basketball, again, Wednesday, 8 o'clock, another start, by the way. Arkansas will miss 8 p.m. on Wednesday from the pavilion for that one. So uh, appreciate all you guys. Good comments in the stream, and we'll talk to you again.